Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode 104 for Monday, August 31st, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, who you may know better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. How is it almost September? This is the worst. I feel ah, like you took the words out of my mouth, man. I know, I know, right? But we've been talking about much other stuff in the render distance, the pre-show conversation that you can get if you are part of our group of patrons. Patreon.com slash the spawn chunks is the place to sign up if you want to hear us talking about Joel's adventures in Astroneer, thinking about VR, thinking critically about what companies have your information, and another recommendation from last week's SGDQ marathon event. Uh, of speedrunning extravaganza but uh yes good lord uh it's it is it's nearly september already which is good news uh when it comes to minecraft stuff because we have a couple of things to look forward to uh more in the news about one of them which is the minecraft dungeons dlc but at some point we should be getting a minecon presentation which will tell us all about what mojang has planned no more news about that which is why i'm mentioning it up the top of the show here but stay tuned because in future weeks we may have an announcement about exactly when that is happening so i didn't play minecraft at all this week and i'm gonna save my spiel for an email that we have in the show later uh so what have you been up to in minecraft this week john uh, this week, I finally started making exhibits for my museum build, which is starting small and is going to be an ever-expanding concept. But I uh, started at the beginning, really, uh, with the blocks you start standing on for the most part. I started off making an exhibit about dirt and grass and its variants. And I was trying to balance out how much information I wanted to give in this museum because some people in the comments were saying, basically, you're building an in-game version of the Minecraft wiki. Uh, which I kind of am, but I don't want to include too much info because so much of it is not going to be relevant to the player's experience, and I want to make sure it's relevant to the survival game, in a way, because that's kind of the whole point of the Minecraft survival guide. Uh, so, if not the Minecraft wiki, I feel like I'm making a building that is sort of like a, a an example of everything that I've done in the series so far, and... Uh, so I stopped short of like including the block IDs for all of these blocks in the information about them, but I just included a bit of basic info. I've started putting uh, colored text into books, uh, which is something that I only recently realized you could do. I've seen people do it, but I always assumed it was done with some sort of external plugin. But instead, it's possible to do it just using uh, a couple of special characters and, you know, um, kind of like uh, function codes, formatting codes. Uh, mm, that you can okay. you can put into the text and so i was able to highlight the words grass block in green and enchantment names can appear in purple and i feel like that makes the text in the museum a little bit more easily readable so you can do that in books i think you can do it on signs as well but of course signs are more easily changed just by using dyes on them now dyes, yeah no that's i i knew you could do that in books but again like like you said i thought it was more of a you have to do that do it with like a command block or or um some other plug-in or something like that that's cool i didn't realize that you could use it sounds like it's like drop downs similar to how discord does like bold and italics and things like that yeah yeah it's 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 sort of sort of like markdown it's um sorry markdown my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um and there's only a couple of differences between java and bedrock but they can both do it i think bedrock gets two additional colors but doesn't have the ability to have strike through and underline text or something like that so that there's there's a couple of interesting differences but yeah I'm, I'm messing around with that stuff because i want to have information about all these blocks on lecterns around the room that you can walk up to and read but i also want there to be some things that are interactive so i have an exhibit that's about grass spread an exhibit about making grass path and farmland and uh, I'm including a couple of things. I mentioned in a previous episode of the podcast that I want to make this like part museum and part Scooby-Doo house. So there's going to be a couple of uh, like fun hidden areas that you can get to here and there. And so I'm going to install one of those this week and then start working on the exhibit adjacent to this one, which will probably be about uh, flowers and plants and other stuff that you can grow on dirt and grass and then adjacent to both of those rooms is going to be an exhibit about trees and then from there it goes into woods and i'm just trying to kind of branch each of these off of each other and eventually i'll end up with this incredible sprawling museum that i then have to put an exterior wall around and goodness knows how it's going to work from there but i'm, I'm having nice. fun with it so far it's it's yeah. a fun a fun design challenge at the same time as being a a fun uh test of my minecraft knowledge in a way Oh, for sure. And it sounds like it's coming together kind of like a Minecraft Dungeons layout, you know, like just these different modules are being attached in different ways and flowing from one into the next as it makes sense. That's Basically, cool. yeah, in a kind of jigsaw it, way. 
are there any tongue in cheek moments? Like, I mean, I can feel like, you know, mycelium would get a decent explanation. You know, farmland has a bunch of information that you'd need about it. But like dirt, did you just put like, it's dirt? <laughs> I mean, more or less. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's dirt. It can become all sorts of other things. You know, like dirt yeah. has, has the capacity to turn into mycelium or grass or farmland depending on how you treat it. It's yeah. a crafting ingredient for coarse dirt, which can then be turned back into dirt if you want more of it. And, you know, that's the the kind of... The stuff that I've been thinking about other uses for because of playing Skyblock as well. And my Skyblock world is now at the point where I'm curing villagers. And so the game is okay. really starting to open up, but I still need to produce lots of dirt so that I can build out more green areas, especially if I want the area to look a little bit more like a Minecraft landscape. So definitely thinking more about the individual uses of everything and skyblock is great for that it's so much like you you have to kind of use every part of the game in order to really progress in skyblock so that's you know shaping my mindset for how i want to put stuff in this survival museum a little bit more keenly i think skyblock seems to be popping up a fair bit now uh, i noticed that uh gemini tay a, a previous guest on this show has been doing a, a skyblock playthrough as well so i mean in addition to curing villagers are like what's next in your skyblock world uh, it's getting the more vital resources like iron farming because the, the first villager I cured I turned into a cleric so I could get easy redstone um, because right. a lot of people think about witch farms when they think about redstone farming. I find using clerics so much better because you can control when it happens. You don't have to just like leave it to farm redstone in the background. You can get a bunch of redstone now if you want to and the only yeah. real restriction there being how frequently you can trade uh, which is easy enough to just you know wait a few minutes skip over and then you've got another 48 redstone from the same dude uh yeah. so so it's it's now into the nitty-gritty of crafting redstone components so i can start automating more stuff maybe get to the point where i have enough slime blocks that i can start you know tnt based automation um start farming sand from husks and you know all, all that kind of stuff you, you can do a lot once you get past the phase of iron being abundant so yeah more villages and iron farm and from there redstone components is basically the next step nice nice it's something that i've been wanting to do more of is more automation stuff in in minecraft and i i've been trying to think about um expanding into the uh, medieval realm that we've kind of designated on the server but then thinking like well there's some big digs that i want to do but what i want to do before that is make sure i have a decent like redstone slash water storage system for bulk stuff so that i don't just end up with diving in head first and then having chests upon chests of stuff that i have to move later yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. try, so i'm trying to plan an infrastructure but then also trying to think like well how can i incorporate that into the area and not have it just be some hole in the ground that we just don't speak of you know mm -hmm. <laughs> some minecraft storage system buried underneath the, the medieval world so i'm thinking about something like you know a like a, a granary store or something like that from the outside that would then double as like, you know, your blocks and all your storage and stuff on the inside. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I haven't gotten to the design phase of it yet. It's more of like a, I'm looking for the purpose. Like I'm looking for the, the RP purpose of, of all that stuff before I yeah. dive in. But how are you, how are you going to disguise it? That kind of yeah, yeah, consideration. Precisely, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Well, moving on into the news, we have a Minecraft Combat Snapshot 8C posted on Reddit. Uh, the link goes to the 8B snapshot, but the 8C notes are appended at the end of the post. So if you're confused, you can just scroll down. Uh, the uh, bullet points for this are fixed, not back calculators for shields, disabled crunch, uh, crouch shielding, <laughs> crunch shielding, both maybe, uh, disabled crouch shielding while jumping and shields with banners are now much stronger than normal shields with 10 absorption instead of five and better knockback resistance this is not in the intended design it's just the quickest way of testing different kinds of shields without adding new items into the game we also have a trailer uh, and a minecraft dungeon diaries for creeping winter dlc uh, that you can find on YouTube. You can join the Minecraft Dungeons team as they walk us through the Creeping Winter DLC that drops September 8th. That's next Tuesday. Find out more about the Merchant and the Daily Trials and discover all of the added features such as new mobs, mechanics, artifacts, and armors. You can check out the trailer. I think it was about eight minutes or so. Uh, Minecraft Community Manager Helen Z, or Helen Angel as you may know her, moves on to Razzleberries. In a tweet on August 27th, 2020, Helen Angel announced she is excited to be working with Razzleberries, a team of artists and builders creating content for the Minecraft marketplace. Helen said in the thread, 
I'll be working with Razzleberries, Marketplace Partners, Java Server Owners, YouTubers, Livestreamers, Content Creators, and of course, uh, the wonderful community. I will be your number one advocate, cheerleader, and mentor. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes for this week at thespawnchunks.com. Yeah, it's really interesting to see Mojang employees now moving on to sort of advocate for the community in itself and returning to being part of the community rather than having that behind the scenes knowledge. I'm sure she'll bring a, a lot of really interesting insight to the people that she's working with. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool because I think it I feel like it has gone both ways. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, um, but I would speculate that somebody probably cutting their teeth on Minecraft community content for the marketplace. If their end goal was to try to get a job at, you know, at Mojang, then I mean, what better resume to have than, mm -hmm. you know, having years of managing communities. I know way back when I was first explaining, you know, the time and, and, and energy uh, that I was putting into World of Warcraft and the community there, um, that uh, there were some people that were putting things like uh, running a World of Warcraft guild on their resumes. I mean, yeah. and they were students, but they were they were looking for part time jobs. But essentially, it was like you know community management, personality and and communication and um, task management. Like, there's all these different skills that really do translate from from some things like that. So that's. Uh, it's one of those things that people forget that, you know, there's so many aspects to Minecraft. It's not just the game, you know, like there's the online community, there's all these different things. Yeah. I, I also wonder in the same way, how many people who generate like a really popular Instagram following for their personal Instagram are then going to be able to put that on their CV when it comes to applying for, you know, uh, social media work at brands and that kind of thing. Just having the experience of running that kind of community is, is a, a really interesting thing to take into any position. But yeah, it's it's really cool seeing how much of a two-way street this is with a lot of Minecraft modders being hired on by the development team and the gameplay team at Mojang now. And so it kind of works both ways because people from uh, inside the Mojang team can now come out and start working directly with the community. Let's uh, let's take a look at the other stuff though. I don't have a huge amount to say about the combat snapshot because it's kind of kind of brief uh, this time around. It does seem like, as we said last week, they are kind of dialing in all of the features of the snapshot, and then it's just going to be more about uh, balancing and stuff like that. So I haven't been in the snapshot myself. Have you, Joel? I haven't, but I know that you're a well-known shield proponent. Like, are you interested <laughs> or excited about the potential shield changes? Um, I, yeah, I, as long as I can continue to use them and they're somewhat effective, I'm fine with it. I know that shields now block slightly less damage, or there is a fixed amount of damage they will block and any additional damage will still be done to the player. So, point blank creeper explosions are still dangerous, but you can still mitigate a certain amount of damage from them, whereas individual mob attacks that might be a little bit less harmful are blocked entirely. Um, and so that works for me. I'm kind of fine with that as long as I can, you know, I can still get a decent distance from a creeper before it explodes. And I, <laughs> I do actually kind of like the idea of shields with banners being slightly stronger, even though that's not intended and it's just for testing purposes. I kind of, I like that as a thing. And it's a shame because a lot of folks in Bedrock Edition haven't been able to add shields to banners. I get a question all the time on an episode I made about customizing banners and customizing shields with them how I did it and and there are people thinking I've done it using a mod because it's not possible to do in Bedrock Edition but hopefully right. we'll end up seeing that coming into Bedrock Edition when you know all of this stuff gets added in because the idea once again is to unify Bedrock and Java combat uh, and again this is the the shields with banners being uh, stronger is is definitely a a test thing for now just so they can dial in the range of how strong they want the shields to be but even so, yeah. Cr crouch shielding while jumping, I think, was something they added in recently because it's definitely not something I've ever gotten to work when I've been, uh, you know, atta attacked by skeletons and tried to jump at them whilst also shielding myself. Doesn't work that way in Java right now. So, mm. yeah, I think that's something they considered doing in an earlier snapshot and have then rolled back again because it, it seems like it might be kind of OP if you can... The, 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 the balance of having a shield... Uh, active at the time to of, of actually holding a shield out in front of you is that it slows you down so if you're able to jump to speed through that i have a feeling right. that would be a little bit too op right no that makes a lot of sense I, i'm curious about something like that maybe even folding over into the pve aspect of um if we're opening up um augmenting or tweaking shields wonder if we're going to get shield uh enchantments beyond just 
on breaking. You know, like wonder if we can get something like fire resistance or um, protection or um, I'm not sure that there'd be an aquatic version, but like something that would, you know, um, protect you from a specific kind of of arrow or potion effect, you know, like a, I don't know, splash resistance or something from a shield. I mean, I'm making stuff up, but I think it would be interesting in PVP. I'm not sure what it would add to the PVE game, but it would be like, if you're going in to make a blaze farm, if you had a fire resistance shield that protected you more against the blaze shots than a, a normal shield would, that would be, you know, a, a cool way in early game to kind of get in there and not have your butt handed to you all the time. Yeah. Um, Knowing, of course, that there's fire resistance potions that you can just drink and that's fine. But if you don't have access to those, like if you're trying to get the blazes to get the rods and all that kind of stuff, that could be that could be interesting. It may also be, you know, I, I know that when something is enchanted, it always just has the same purple glint. But I I wonder if they're if they're going to consider adding um, colored, you know, enchantments or colored changes to shields. So, for example, if the banners are just an example of how it could function and not how it's intended to function what about adding i mean shields are already iron and wood right like that's kind of how they're made if yeah I remember correctly yeah but like what if you had a gold shield or a diamond shield or a netherite shield you know is that going to look different is that going to be a different shape how are you going to tell from a distance in pvp what shield your opponent has and if they get into different shapes and silhouettes which is to me as a character designer an interesting and key way to describe you know gameplay that opens up stuff for pve we're like well if i make another right shield it's expensive but boy it might look really cool hanging on two sides of your of your throne room you know like that kind yeah. of stuff could be fun yeah I, I do still think it'd be really great to have some way of hanging shields in a way that isn't just in an in an item frame where they're reduced to how small they look uh, like having shields the size of banners would be so much nicer yeah do they get really small when you put them on an armor stand uh no they don't uh, an armor stand can equip them but I think you, see, it, you still see the whole armor stand. You still see the whole armor stand, and they need to have arms in order to equip them properly. I think previously you could dispense them onto armor stands in survival, and it still worked because in Java armor stands don't have arms, um, right. and and so I don't think that's possible to do now anymore. Um, and then of course you can't pose them, so they're still held like a player holds them at rest, kind of like diagonally Down. off to one side yeah instead of right. facing upwards yeah. obviously with an armor stand book you can do a lot more with that but. yes and it i mean it, and if if the whole armor stand is armored it probably looks okay but if you're trying to get the shield to hang flat on a wall for decorative purposes you know like i'm thinking about all the movies i've ever seen with the knights of the round table where there's seal shields and swords on all the walls you know like that yeah kind totally of stuff. yeah that would be really cool but mm -hmm. yeah um moving on to look at the dungeons dlc oh yes um, some cool stuff here i thought uh i i really enjoyed uh what's his name i hope i'm going to pronounce this correctly it is david nishagen i hope i hope i got that right um there's a quote from the from the dungeon diaries trailer which is the overall feel of the game is not fixed it's something that continuously will be added on and tweaked as we go along and i thought that was an excellent bit of knowledge i mean i i think we've heard it before but i just i like that they're hammering that home it's like this is an ongoing project we're not checking a box and calling it done you know yeah and but when he says fixed he means like you know it's it's not in a concrete form that can yes, never sorry. be altered ra rather than being like it's not fixed like there are still bugs everywhere no, yeah yeah, uh, yeah sorry yeah, it, yeah. Just, just to clarify for anybody who might not, be un unclear about that. Not stationary. Yeah, yes. not, not, stairs, not fixed in time. It's not stationary. It's going to be moving forward and changing and, and stuff. Um, they also make a point to talk about uh, free DLC along with the paid DLC, which yes. I think is also a very smart move, uh, considering that there's going to be people of all ages playing this game that may not be able to or allowed to purchase the DLC, even though the DLC is only five or ten bucks. Um do we know how much the Creeping Winter is? I, I did the I did the Hero Edition as you did, so I don't I didn't look up to see what it was worth. I th I think uh, Creeping Winter is going to be the same price as Jungle Awakens was, which I think is only like seven or eight bucks, something like right. that. You you can I believe you can still buy the Hero Edition add on to the base game if you want both DLC packs, I believe. Right. Um, and of course you'll get the Creeping Winter DLC when it gets released, basically day of. Um, and so yeah, I I think it's going to be probably that will be their price model moving forward is that any future dlcs there might be another dlc pass when they have a few more of the 
uh, the expansions announced, but then right. from there it's going to be you know available a la carte if you want to just pick up one or two of them to see what's there, or you can buy like buy into the the entire thing, which I will probably be doing because my experience of dungeons has been a very positive one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, while I understand that a lot of folks aren't going to have the money to spend on like repeated DLC for all of it, the base game itself is relatively cheap compared to your average like polished uh game experience these days so i think it's it's worth worth investing in if you're the kind of person who likes this sort of game um Mm -hmm. and you're right i I think i think having uh free content for the base game is definitely going to bring people back in even if the dlc doesn't appeal to them because the dlc is really just like access to new levels and i think that it is still possible to get some of the newer items if you still have the base game and you just get them from the blacksmith instead of getting them from specific stages that you're playing through yeah and i think there actually is more content free than potentially in the actual paid dlc because the paid dlc is the level like that's yes. the it's the creeping winter biome and um i mean there's probably several missions it's not just one because there was how i mean i didn't play the jungle dlc the the what was it jungle jungle awakens? awakens yeah yeah how many missions were in part of that do you remember there, there were three uh there were two main levels and then a bonus level in the same form as you got with um under halls and uh creepy crypt the ones that you right, the, you found a scroll in like a hidden part of a level and it unlocked right. like a, a bonus level basically and right that was uh, a bamboo forest kind of adventure where you had to go and rescue some pandas in the same way you rescue villagers in a couple of the other dungeons levels so were there were there any like dungeons like the the creepy crypt where like there was this big dungeon level that just constantly changes every time you play it in the, uh, in the that, jungle? that was kind of what the second level was the, the level that had the uh, boss in uh there were a lot okay. of modular areas of this kind of jungle temple that you were exploring basically and then okay. it all culminated in a boss fight which was usually obviously the same but yeah mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't quite as sprawling as uh creepy crypt can be but it definitely had the same feel the same kind of roaming long corridors kind of different branches off to different ways and yeah, it was it was very easy to get lost in there and explore in in the second level. So you'll probably find, I'd say, something similar to that in Creeping Winter. A lot of the stuff we've seen so far from that has been outdoor levels because one of the main mechanics they've added to this is, uh, you know, like a bit of inertia physics for when you're sliding around on ice outside. And they, they talk a lot in the uh, dungeons dev diaries just about how much that adds to the combat experience and how difficult it can be to control a large group of mobs coming at you when you're also having to make sure your character doesn't slip into uh you know a pool of water that's going to freeze you solid for a couple of seconds so which is uh, very cartoony and funny it's like yeah yeah very yeah. very very warner brothers like you come out and you're a solid like fridge shaped block of yeah. ice and you're stuck in place for a little bit which i think is fun it's I, like the, a, the a looney tunes kind of approach to it yeah yeah the slidey thing if it's done right it could be very silly and very fun and challenging at the same time uh if it's too unforgiving it might not be good uh, I'm just thinking about the the number of times that I was pushed via like game bug off of the um, towers at the end of the f- the boss fight in the first, yeah. you know, where like where you just you, you know you're doing it right, but something just kind of slides you off to the side because the hitbox is not lined up or whatever. So mm-hmm. if it's if you get if you slide too much, it might not be good. But it from what I saw in the trailer, the gameplay footage, it looked pretty balanced, and it. It could add one of those things to like, especially if you're, you know, hammering around with some some friends in the game and you're like, don't worry, folks, I got this. And you slide in and they're like, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't got this. <laughs> you know, you're moving around, kind of like trying to shoot stuff. You're like, this is I'm all over the place. And it could lead to like some random fun things like, you know, you intended the firework to go one way and it doesn't go the other way. And, you know, you end up pulling moms you didn't plan on. And like it could be um, really, really fun. I, I, I like that they added of movement change to the dlc because to my knowledge they didn't last time yeah yeah i I don't think there's a huge amount that changes from the regular dungeons in jungle awakens you just get a couple of extra weapons maybe a couple of other you know puzzle mechanics to work your way through um but then they can expand on that with different stuff each time and if you end up you know looking at the the full package of dungeons once more dlc has been released i feel like it will look like a progressively different game as it goes that seems to be their development philosophy overall which seems really great um there's also a couple of new mobs in the trailers or at least one which is the 
the isologer i think that's what he said it was yeah <laughs> kind of difficult to make out like I, I always like to see these things written down so that i can actually absorb the information a little better but yeah it's it's basically kind of like an evoker or a um a geomancer pillager which uh, or illager which drops ice on you from above so you can't hide behind obstacles in the scenery and avoid ranged attacks it will basically target you with a giant block of ice that covers maybe three or four squares of the landscape and it just sort of drops it on you from above which seems like a fun way of avoiding certain player tactics where you kind of use the pillars in the uh, in the screen to avoid enemy attacks seems like a, a smart way of approaching it smart and fun and different too i mean like they could have very easily done a geomancer that has ice spikes that shoots up at you instead of you know a stone pillars right yeah so, and they they went with something different the the floating ice chunk follows you too it tracks you for a time before it drops on you so it's not like it's just like appearing in one static position and then you can just move left and be you're fine it actually yeah. moves with you which i thought was was kind of cool it's definitely like nothing else i've seen in the game i didn't really get a close enough look at the the actual model of the isologer i don't think they're horribly different from uh from a, an, an illager, I think probably by design where you have to then kind of spot their robe color or some design thing that kind of cues you into like, oh, these are the isologers. Um, I don't, I shouldn't mistake those for other, other bad guys, that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel um, like in, in the rush of playing dungeons, which is very much like a, um, you know, a, a run through and hit everything as fast as you can, you're not necessarily going to try and pick them out. But I feel like if the, if there are areas like there were in Pumpkin Pastures where there's like a slightly more open section of terrain, you can definitely see yourself wanting to track those guys down first before they cause too yeah. much chaos for you. Yeah, they said in the in the diaries video that they're going to have quite a range on them and um geomancers already do as well. Like you yeah. you can you can have an attack from a geomancer that you can't see because they're off screen, which I think is 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 interesting. If anyone's um, the, if anyone's seen the illusioner model that was the the unused illager that was going to be part of Woodland Mansions, it's got a kind of blue sparkly robe. Uh, it, that's in regular Minecraft, but it kind of reminds me of that in a sense. Oh, it's cool. like the the kind of hooded robe um, not quite like the evokers who've got like the collared robe, but not necessarily a hood. Uh, it's a little bit more like, um, yeah, I, I, I guess just, just like a mage robe sort of thing. Uh, doesn't look like there's a whole lot new outside of the Isologer from the trailer. They, they said there's another mob and they said that it's going to be an icy creeper. And then they went on to say that they tried to make it blue, but then they didn't really want to change the, the iconic creeper to be something other than, um, green, which I think is a missed opportunity because having a creeper that just has a different kind of explosion to me is not really a new mob. Uh, I, I think they could have come up with something else other than a creeper. You know, um, I, you know what? Uh, Ginger, uh, Ginger Lily in our chat just said, have a sidekick called a slushy. I think they could have added a slushy, an exploding <laughs> slushy into Minecraft dungeons. You know, like that could have been to me more interesting than just, just a creeper that has a blue explosion instead of a regular one. Like, I don't know. Um, or, I'm, or like I'll a... reserve. Go ahead. Uh, like a blue slime or something like that could have been there you go. So something along those lines because we already yeah. have you know green slimes and magma cubes and stuff like that but yeah. then yeah, i yeah. i feel like they are setting themselves up for any modification to that immediately becomes well why isn't this in regular minecraft and you know mm -hmm. it, it can it can easily get out of hand that way um but yeah i i i expect they've they've got a certain amount of like branding to consider when it comes to the creeper in particular because the creeper yeah that that was that one wasn't even the texture didn't even get changed when we did the texture update in 1.14 so i expect yeah there is a certain amount of like legacy design in the creeper that they've just decided shouldn't be changed um but i agree it it, it seems like a missed opportunity to have something brand new uh, and maybe there'll be some other stuff that they just haven't talked about yet. We don't know what the storyline is going to be, if there's going to be another boss at the end of all of this. Right. Um, and I don't believe the uh, blog posts about this have said anything. I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most, though, despite all of the DLC adding new levels and new physics and everything, is going to be Daily Trials, which is another um, sort of brand new aspect added to the free game along with these new merchants that are going to be in the camp, kind of allowing you to upgrade things. We touched on those briefly. There were also um, luxury merchants and mystery merchants as well, which seem to be selling you as yet unconfirmed other stuff. Like you might be able to get like a whole package of weapons for a smaller price, or they might just give you a chicken or something. I don't, I don't know exactly what that entails yet. But daily trials are a separate thing that allow you to take on an additional challenge for the opportunity to get 
higher power gear. So it's another way to boost the potential power of um, of whatever gear you're getting as you go through a level. And it adds modifiers to the level in much the same way that people who play things like Halo or Destiny or any of those kind of like um, looter shooter kind of games might be familiar with. Um, where it, it just adds additional challenges. Maybe mobs have more health. Maybe you have... Uh, a limited amount of ammunition. There are a couple of examples of that that I picked out from the video, one of which uh, was that players only have burning arrows, so basically any arrow you fire is a fire arrow, and the players also have the burning enchantment, regardless of whether that's on their gear already, but one-third of all mobs have the fire trail enchantment, meaning they leave fire everywhere they walk. And that just sounded like the entire level would be set ablaze by minute one, you know? There was, like, a lot of fire involved in that one. Um, there was some where you collected five times the amount of souls, but 50% of the mobs had the thorns enchantment, and 33% of them were chicken jockeys, so they moved faster. Um, and another one where players could have two pets, so you could summon one pet twice, but then 50% of the mobs were husks, and 50% of them have the poison cloud enchantment. So they seem to have a variety of... Uh, random effects that can roll up when you um, when you try these things. They might have curated a few so they are specific sets of things that work together to make it particularly chaotic in gameplay, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what some of those are and what kind of increase in gear power it gives you, because then you can already pretty much stomp your way through most of the levels on the highest level difficulty if you have gear that's like top of the line at this point but there may be other challenges they're throwing in there that are going to make it even more difficult that you'll need extra powerful gear to go through i think it does a lot too for the end game you know like if you've done all the content and you want to just kind of like do that gear grind you know yes to, to keep up with your buddies and uh, I think that's, it's smart. Um, I'm curious about the luxury merchant uh, and the mystery merchant. I, If I'm going to guess from the names, the luxury merchant, I'm wondering if we're going to have a choice to make as a player. Like, do you want more powerful gear or do you want cooler looking gear? Right, and yeah. I wonder if the luxury merchant must, must might be one of those like flexes where like you've got so many emeralds that you can just buy some really cool looking stuff that really doesn't help you in game it just makes it gives you that you know that um that visual nod like oh yeah i've got the hours and dungeons you know like i've got the you know the epic lion head you know armor thing that mm -hmm. you can only get for so many you know it's like the it's like the the netherite um beacon flex like that kind of stuff um that would be that would be fun it would be cool to add some personal touches you know uh because i remember you know with world of warcraft when you're getting new gear you're like this is a great new sword i don't like that it's pink yeah <laughs> but, but but you know i'll go with it because it, it does the job you know and i think in dungeons um while part of it is is the fun of like the sounds that they make and the look of a, di a certain thing like remember when we were playing and i had that spiral arrow that made like a sproing yeah um, i always thought that was really fun but if you could do other things where like you know hey, this is like the fourth or fifth time I've picked up better wolf armor. If I could just have it look different, you know, different color, something like that to kind of, um, especially if you're doing group uh, group play, multiplayer uh, engagement, when um, stuff like the, the chaos of um, third a third of the mobs having fire trails, like to have you and your friends stand out from one another might actually be quite helpful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I think it'd be fun to have more customization in the game beyond just, you know, what gear do you like the best and what do you like the look of the most? I think there's mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot to be said for that, for sure. Uh, I think um, the gift wrapper is the other thing that I'm most interested in. You know, the next time I play multiplayer, it'll be really fun, especially if it's someone new to the game. And I have some friends that might be interested in trying it uh, or certainly playing with me for the first time. And that would be fun to just like, hey, I just picked up this great bow. I already have one give it to the player so that they can help get they can they can own face faster you know yeah I, I think that'll help a great deal you can kind of boost your friends through certain levels to get to the stuff that you're playing on the level of and then yeah then sooner or later you can just be be up to speed with each other without them having to go through all of it it seems like mm -hmm. a sensible thing to do especially with people coming into this game further down the line when you know anyone who's played from the beginning is already going to have like crazy good stuff and maybe isn't mm. going to feel like making a new character yeah i think it it totally makes sense if they're concentrating on the end game for players as well 
Well, we should uh, move on to chunk mail while we've still got the time. Thank you so much for sending in your email as always. If you'd like to email the show and have a chance for your question to be read, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. This first email comes in from Jess N with the subject of the end update and colours. Says, hello, I absolutely adore the podcast. It's a really wonderful background noise. I re-listen to old episodes often. Regarding the end colour talk in episode 102, as the nether brought us dark stone blocks, the end could be a brilliant place to bring something lighter than cobblestone. Pale, cool grey stone-like blocks could fit in brilliantly in an end biome and would be a fun deviation from the neutral grey of cobblestone and stone. I would also hope an end update might give us dark purple blocks to complement the purple and make it more usable, as currently it doesn't really fit with anything. Though thinking about it, it might work with blackstone quite well, contrast and all that. Uh, right now, I use a resource pack that makes purple look like purple prismarine, but it would be lovely to have both to play around with. What do you think? In brackets, this is definitely a funny sign-off. <laughs> Thank you, Jess, for that email. And it, a, quite a well-thought-through idea, I think. I like the idea of there being cool grey blocks in the end to go with the end stone which is already kind of pale kind of thinking about it complementing it on both sides of the brightness spectrum what do you think joel what's your your artist's opinion on this one yeah i mean very often i've thought about taking end stone and just making it look like moon rock you know like if you just take all the yellow out of it or a good chunk of the yellow out of it then yeah you'll you're you're left with what would be a, a light gray block it would be lighter than cobblestone i think uh, just out of just speculation. Um, but I agree. I think that there should be, uh, you know, some additions to the gray palette for people that want to do all those um, fancy medieval builds that need something lighter. Uh, and I think, too, the, part of the problem that some of the lighter blocks that we do have are devoid of texture. They're great looking on their own, like light gray concrete, but then it doesn't really mesh with anything else because it's so different uh, mm -hmm. and so smooth then it doesn't look like it goes with cobblestone. It's also have a, it also has a different temperature hue, which I think is is a, a an oversight. And um, one of the things that I think they could possibly do uh, if the end was updated from a color perspective would add those light blocks. But it would be nice if if they paid attention to the color temperature of the rest of the grayscale and make sure that it does work with as many as possible. Um, you know, we have a lot of purple in the blackstone. We have a lot of uh, red in things like. Um, terracottas and whatnot so it would be cool if they kind of balanced it out uh we already have the concrete bright primary colors in a lot of um, different blocks i think that an end update would be really fun for people uh builders especially to have pastel colors i feel like you've mentioned this before i don't know if it was related to the end or not um but you know purple is already kind of like a palish purple so it'd be really cool if some of the uh, if they ever updated the end and some of the new colors that we got would be pastel-like, you know, think Easter, you know, like a nice pale purple lavender or um, nice pale blues. Uh, right now we've got kind of like light blue, dark blue, but they're pretty saturated, like they're they're pretty intense. And, and having um, some more subtle colors I think would be good if, giant asterisks, if they're still something that will work in color harmony with other blocks. Like I would love for these pastel colors that could be in the end to also work next to concrete. Yes, look different, but still look like they're part of the same color family. And that would just open up a range of things uh, for, for folks. Um, I know uh, I was watching Gemini State Tate stream on the weekend and um, something that I know that she brought up on our uh, interview with her was the, uh, the, the, um, gradient, making a gradient with various blocks and using yeah. it in your builds and have, and having, pastels be part of a new gradient would be i think really eye-opening um i know that i mean you're a builder like what like would what kind of stuff would you want from the end yeah i i'm i'm on board with a lot of this i do like the idea of there being a textured dark purple block uh lately i was watching b00's latest hermitcraft episode where he's talking about building his castle and actually incorporating some really interesting blocks because it's designed to be viewed from further away. He's actually using acacia and coal blocks mixed in with a lot of stone, and the coal provides a really interesting transition between darker and lighter blocks. And it looks really odd when you're up close, because it's just like patches of coal ore mixed in with the structure, but from further away, it actually blends in in a really nice way. And so there might be some interesting stuff to be done there with blocks which maybe have a more hectic texture when you're up close, but when viewed from further away because 
in the end, you're not really going to be seeing all that much stuff up close because it's all going to be distant on other floating islands. And so something that has a little bit more of a detailed texture up close, but that would blend in a little further away is the kind of stuff I would expect to see there. Especially with, yeah, having a darker purple block. I feel like the detail of that could be really obvious. Imagine like a... The level of detail you get from something like chiseled quartz, where it's got very geometric lines and stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Something like that in a darker purple, as though there was a, yeah. a chiseled form of purple that wasn't like the purple pillar or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I wonder if they could do that even just by taking the existing purple and adding some gameplay mechanics to it. What happens to purple if you smelt it? What happens to purple if you combine it with black dye? You know, like that kind of yeah. stuff would be would be kind of interesting. Uh, they could do the same thing with endstone. I mean, like maybe uh, if you if endstone if they want to keep the end as bleak as it is, um, endstone is very samey. But if you took the endstone and then we're able to dye it and get these other um these other pale colors you know don't make anything don't make everything yellow <laughs> don't do the terracotta mistake of making everything be a version of red but but like having having that um that ability of crafting stuff uh, out of materials that you find at the end would be would be very very cool yeah, imagining more uses for popped chorus fruit, using them like like prismarine shards, like uh, Jess says they right. use a uh, a purple purple prismarine kind of texture pack. I like the idea of making something a little bit more like a, a different brick like design using popped chorus fruit and um and black dye or ink. Seems like a a fun a fun way to do things. Our next email comes from Liam G. Subject is try new things. Hey, Johnny and Joel. I was listening to episode 103 of the Spawn Chunks and wanted to write in about a little thing I had in mind while listening. I have recently, quote unquote, reset my server to a Skyblock server. At first, the idea uh, of this was met by my community with, quote unquote, we already have this amazing world. Why would we want to give it up? Uh, I persuaded them and we started it and gave everyone two weeks to play and see how they liked it. After the first three days, the server was more active than I had ever seen. I think it is because people sometimes forget that in Minecraft, uh, that Minecraft has so many different things to it. And if you get bored or if you don't know what to do next, uh, it's just it might be time to take a break, but try new types of Minecraft. We bounced around ideas of new and exciting things like new mega base plans, community farms. And the thing that we are most hyped about is a fully AFK concrete factory. I think when you have everything, you can sometimes take some of it for granted. I would love to know your thoughts about trying new things to get inspired. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Liam G. Uh, I would agree. Uh, and this is what I was talking about earlier in, in the show. Uh, I haven't played Minecraft for almost two weeks. Not that I haven't been consuming content or keeping my eye on it. I just haven't been inspired. And I have things to do in game. They just currently feel like chores. So... Uh, I just thought mm, maybe it's time to try some other stuff. Uh, we did mention that in the pre-show, I was talking about Astroneer. It's one of the things why I tried it. I wanted to try and stretch my legs in a similar game type and see if anything there might inspire me to either do it better or do a Minecraft version of it or something. Um, the Citadel is at Endgame and has been for easily two plus years. The Citadel is three years old. We were probably at Endgame around six or eight months into, this, into the server's life. So... Uh, we really haven't had a need to do anything in a while. Anything that we do on the Citadel is more of a, well, it's fun to make this kind of stuff, so let's just see what we can do. Um, I did not find, this is just a personal note, as much as I like the Nether update and as pretty as the Nether update is, there wasn't as much to-do content for me uh, as I thought there might be. Um, so I'm not running out of stuff to do, but I'm just like, well, if I'm going to explore this new content, I'm kind of up against a wall with my current plans. Uh, so I'd have to abandon a lot of stuff that I've got half built right now to then move on and do new things. So the new build realms on the server are supposed to help with that. I just haven't really found inspiration. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of on the fence of like, I've got some ideas, but I still am struggling with a plan for execution. And hindsight being 2020 with a server that is three years old um jumping into something massive without a plan is always a waste of time <laughs> i yeah. always end up redoing stuff so I'd, I'd rather wait to have a solid idea solid plan and honestly i think i might want to uh, much to uh liam's point in in the um in the email 
I think I might want to try and not just do it alone. Like I want to try and maybe organize with a bunch of other server members and say, okay, like I want to do this, but I would really like everybody's help because otherwise it's just going to be three weeks of me digging a hole. You yeah. Know? So let's, let's all hang out. Let's jump on discord and do stuff and try to, um, take advantage of the fact that it is a multiplayer server, not just a go off and do things on your own. And um, we're all building really close together. So we still cross paths quite often, but we don't often play together at the same time. Uh, and so there's some opportunity there, I think, to, to do that. Um, and last but not least, it might be a really good opportunity for me to finally get off my butt and try some modded Minecraft. Maybe, you know, for the next little bit, I'll just start my own little world, do some modded Minecraft, some popular pack or something that's, you know, got a lot of content to it for me to just kind of tinker around with and see if I get any inspiration from there or just see what it's like and be able to talk uh, a little bit more on the podcast about things like modded Minecraft, which to this point, I just haven't had the time to delve into. And maybe now I do. Yeah. Um, Azuma played a couple of the popular Skyblock mod packs. I think he played Sky Factory 3 and then ended up playing Project Ozone Lite uh, with his community. Um, I think some of the same folks who he did Let's Play Minecraft together with. And so a modded Skyblock server seems like a fun idea. Even a modded playthrough of a Skyblock pack or, you know, something else that's just like a popular kitchen sink pack seems like a, a good way to start. And it, a lot of the time, you know, if you've got a server up 24-7, then people can contribute to it and you'll find that you log in and people have done amazing stuff while you've been away. And so you can study that and figure out how they did it to try and reproduce it yourself or you end up with, you know, your own single player project that you can just kind of plug away at and try a couple of different approaches. So I definitely uh, am an advocate for taking a break and trying Minecraft in a different way if you are bored of the default vanilla game. It's kind of why I have the Skyblock series on my channel in the first place, is just wanting to break out of the mold of a constant, persistent vanilla world and try something a little bit different. And it does give you a different perspective on Minecraft. As I was saying earlier in the show, having, you know, uh, approaching my museum now from the perspective of, well, I think differently about all of these blocks now that I've had to reproduce them renewably in a skyblock world that didn't start with them freely available on the surface. It really changes your perspective on Minecraft. Skyblock is something I would really recommend anybody who is, you know, even a casual Minecraft player should try once they have a basic understanding of the mechanics of the game because even if you don't get very far even if you have to look up tutorials on what to do next it is a really interesting way to play and the fact that it still feels like the same game at the core of it is really fascinating to me and it's something that i've never really quite seen other game modes reproduce in the same way there's a lot of variations of it out there but skyblock just still feels like the perfect distillation of that for me yeah, my experience with Skyblock was that it definitely gave you that immediate to-do list because with so few blocks in your possession, you really cannot do anything other than just like start the the tasks of getting more stuff and, and doing more things and creating these farms so that you can actually progress, you know, and, and, and move through the different things that you want to do. And and because you can't build anything until you do something, you know, like whereas in regular minecraft you can kind of walk around and look at the landscape dig a hole in the wall and you know camp out and do all kinds of stuff without really getting any kind of infrastructure going whereas skyblock is very much the opposite like you can't go or do anything <laughs> until you start you know a cobblestone cobblestone generator and stuff like that and um i didn't stick with it but i enjoyed i enjoyed the um, the time i had at skyblock and i feel like it was also one of those times where it was like the tail end of an expansion maybe and we mm -hmm. were waiting for new stuff or maybe it was christmas time i don't really remember when i played skyblock but it was one of those things where like i was in between big projects and i didn't know what to do next in, in on the citadel and so skyblock seemed like a, a good thing to to explore um i think that um we get emails a lot uh, from from players and, and listeners that are asking about what they should do next, um, which is why we don't read them on the show is because it, it's the same conversation over and over again. I really like that Liam wrote in with a solution to that. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and good on Liam for suggesting that you do Skyblock on the server and good on everybody on the server for going along with it. It sounds like it was very clearly communicated. Like, don't worry, this isn't permanent. We have the save file. Like we can just do Skyblock for a couple of weeks and see if we like it. And if everybody hates it, we can just go back to the other world. It's fine. Yeah. And I love, 
I love the flexibility there. I love the clear communication and the openness for everybody to who, and some people we don't know, Liam didn't, Liam didn't say, but there might be some people who had never played Skyblock before in that, in that group. And it could be a really interesting experience, you know, with experienced players helping non-experienced players. It could be a lot of fun. Especially if you've got those folks on your server who are just the ones who like to just go and mine and it relaxes them. They can just be generating cobblestone for the builders the rest of the time. <laughs> Always great. The best of both worlds. Um, let's move on to this week's discussion topic, though, because I think with Minecraft Dungeons kind of dominating the news this week, we really wanted to go into our thoughts on where Minecraft Dungeons can go from here. Creeping Winter is the last DLC pack they've officially announced, but they have said they're very keen on doing more and expanding the game as they go. As we mentioned earlier, David Nishagen's uh, statement in the Dev Diaries video was that we are taking player input and we are constantly refining our approach to this game and figuring out where it can go next. And so I thought it would be fun to kind of make a list at the very least of like biomes and stuff from vanilla minecraft we've already seen represented in dungeons tick off all those boxes and see what was left before they have to start you know deciding on building their own stuff and if you look at the list of levels in minecraft dungeons we already have a forest in the form of creeper woods a soggy swamp is quite clearly a swamp I think Pumpkin Pastures qualifies as a savanna. You have Cacti Canyon and Desert Temple, which are the, uh, you know, Mesa and Desert, respectively. Desert Temple even sort of expands on the idea of what a Desert Temple structure is in vanilla Minecraft. Then you have a Mineshaft and Mountains in the form of Redstone Mines and Fiery Forge. You have a few other structures like the Arch Illager's Castle, High Block Hall. And then um, there is a Jungle and a Bamboo Forest in Jungle Awakens, presumably... Creeping Winter will have snow biomes, maybe even a uh, snowy tiger forest. There is also, and I don't know if I've talked to you about this, Joel, there is a secret level on a mushroom island. Um, and so that's that's a, a fun, it's, it's basically this game's equivalent of the Diablo secret cow level. Um, but that's something we haven't really talked about, and I don't want to spoil too much else for anybody who hasn't played the game to its fullest extent already. Uh, but that leaves us with um, regular tigers and mega tigers, maybe with some foxes running around, uh, beach biomes, flower forests, dark oak forests, maybe even a woodland mansion extension to that, going to the heart of where the illagers came from in the first place. Uh, maybe even an ocean uh, or some sort of swimming level. <laughs> I feel like water levels always end up getting controversial in uh, in games like that. But what what else can we think? Aside from, I guess the other thing would be dimensions, right? Yeah, so I mean, we've got a whole bunch of fantastic new uh, biomes in the Nether update, and mm. I I think what I experienced with Creeper Woods, which is probably where I spent the most time in dungeons so far, just because I've played with a couple of friends and we've started over here and there. Um, a Crimson Forest or a Warped Forest would be an excellent way to just play Minecraft dungeons, like just yeah. the colors and all the different personality that they can bring to it, all the movement you get in dungeons when like you walk over the little mushrooms and they make a little noise and they kind of wobble, you know, yeah. uh, all the different ir iridescent lighting and, and stuff that you can do in the crimson and warped forest. I mean, warped forest would be crazy. I mean, you can imagine the number of endermen you'd have to fight in a, oh, yeah. in a dungeons and, level. And like endermen are mini bosses in Minecraft dungeons and it'd just yeah. be like a mini boss rush the entire yeah. way. Now, Basalt Deltas, it's one of those things where like it would be very pretty, but if it was too on the ground and too on the nose, similar to Minecraft uh, Vanilla, I think that it would be not a fun experience. <laughs> I think yeah. you'd be in the lava a lot more than you'd want to be. Um, but if they had a, a way of, of like traversing over top of it or, or uh, having it be just the aesthetic, I think it could be really cool. It'd be very cool for... Uh, bad guys you know just a lot of like thinking about the necromancer exploding pillars and anything that has a fire attack you know like that kind of stuff uh i get the fiery forge did sort of have a basalt delta vibe but it was mostly yeah. redstone i think that a basalt delta could be more outside you could have um magma cubes and other cool things um soul sand valley maybe not as interesting uh for a dungeons level but I feel like you could, you know, work it in there, in there somehow. And of course, then you've got the regular nether wastes, you know, like there's the, the nether rack and that might be a little bit samey, but they, they've done some stuff in Minecraft dungeons where they've, they've amped up the amount of 
foliage variation and textures and things. So seeing a dungeon's take on the very samey netherrack, you know, escapes that we get in in a nether uh, wastes, I think would be really, really fun. Um, I think fighting blazes and wither skeletons and things like that in dungeons would be very interesting. Um, there'd be a lot that they could add in, in those dimensions. I have less to say about a potential end dimension because there's not that much to it other than the dragon fight, which would be an epic boss thing in dungeons. But like, as far as adding content, you're kind of limited because we don't have the number of biomes that we do in the overworld and now the nether with the nether update. Um, but I, going back to what you were saying about like the different biomes that we've had and what we could look forward to, um, Taiga and Mega Taiga, the first thing that popped into my head would be like a Viking DLC pack, some sort yes. of like Viking themed, you know, like there's already a horn in the game that's very Viking like when you blow it and you kind of like knock your enemies back. Um, I, I think adding cool looking Viking armor, I mean, having Viking houses and stuff like that. I mean, we've seen those in, in Minecraft builds for a while, but I think having a dungeons take on that would be really cool. Um, I'm not sure what you could have for, for mobs and stuff there. I just kind of just brainstorming before the show, uh, flower forest on the flip could be very magical and fun, like not dark and creepy, like creeper woods, but I'm talking like butterflies and like maybe large bees. Um, have we seen bees in Minecraft dungeons? I don't know if we have. Uh, I think bees are actually going to be in the upcoming DLC. I did notice a bee pet that was part of like, oh, a, a pet Neat. in, in the, uh, the, the DLC dev diary so i think it'd be uh yeah p potentially it'd add a lot to a flower forest but i think they're adding adding those in a little bit sooner um yeah, i'm just thinking about like insect bad guys not bees but like insect bad guys that would be the size of bees you know like basketball size you know mobile flying enemies that you have to then deal with would be would be really interesting in a flower forest especially if you could also make it very pretty and very over the top just turn it into some you know, elven, ethereal, crazy neon stuff. Like I'm thinking like um, maybe not as dark as like all the stuff from Avatar, you know, the James Cameron film. Yeah. Um, because that had a lot of bioluminescence, but like something really bright and colorful would be, would be super fun. Like maybe She-Ra, you know, like that kind of a pink tree <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, kind of vibe would be, would be really fun. Um, underwater, I'm with you on the swimming. I don't think maybe Minecraft Dungeons is going to be a game I want to go swimming in. Um, however, you could do something where you kind of combine like an ocean monument with the dungeon's desert temple level and maybe you like have see-through walls and have like water and fish around you, but not you have to actually go through it. Um, you can still have rivers and like, you know, aqueducts and stuff in the level to get, get around. But I feel like having just an underwater aesthetic would be kind of fun. Yeah, I, I was always really interested in the idea that villagers had sea travel in Minecraft Dungeons because there was quite clearly a port town at the end of Pumpkin Pastures. You get to the end where you fight the Evoker and there is a boat that's already being loaded up with supplies like they're about to leave. And so taking a boat out to some sort of ocean monument base and then being able to like roam around there seemed like a really fun idea to me. And the, the kind of like underwater palaces that you see in... Uh, maps that people have created there was one for the minecraft rtx beta where i forget exactly which creator it was but they'd made a a kind of underwater palace with a a set of you know puzzle rooms that you could go through and things like that and that was just really fascinating to approach you can do a lot more with the minecraft dungeons graphics engine the unreal engine to to do stuff with lighting and reflections and i feel like you could do a lot more with that that'd be really really nice yeah, and for sure. I agree that uh, a swimming level might be a little weird considering that there's already been water that, you know, is something that if you if you roll into it, it's like, you know, a, a death and respawn situation. So, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those awkward things where you add water into levels and like suddenly the player can swim seems kind of inconsistent with previous levels they've had in the game. Yeah, and I might have a different feeling about it if I was a controller player, but I'm a mouse and keyboard player, and I don't want to have to like <laughs> tap my spacebar constantly to stay afloat or manage yeah, sure. an oxygen level. Like, there's a bunch of stuff I don't think I would want necessarily in in dungeons. I, um, speaking of uh, boats, you, I just dawned on me. You mentioned a beach on boats. I mean, why not have the boats be the level? Like, let's have a th pirate pack. You know, like let's yes. go from boat to boat to giant you know, a frigate from like the 1600s that's just like this massive, you know, um, 
fight on the boat level. I feel like I've done this in a video game before. I'm not sure whether it was DuckTales or something. There's a bit of, plat there's a bit of platformer that I've played where you had to play on a giant pirate ship, but I don't remember what it was, but it was from a long time ago. Um, but stuff like that could be, could be really fun. And then you can have, you know, cool dungeons gear like pirate hats and hooks for hands and peg legs and i, I don't know there, there could be a bunch of really fun cartoony things that they could bring to to flavor that right you know, parrot pets you know parrots are part of minecraft you know yes. stuff like that could be really fun there was uh i believe there's already a pirate a, a parrot pet in the jungle awakens oh is there okay, dlc so because, because yeah. of that's that way but that would really complete the pirate image i feel like if you had the dlc as well um, and yeah, I, I think th there was a joke early on about the pillager being more of a pirate-themed mob when they were looking for other illagers to add to the ilk. And so it, even though it ended up more being like a crossbow-wielding land-based kind of guy, it did it did seem to fit the bill pretty well. So I do wonder if they could add something more, more piratical at some point. And beyond that, um, there could be other mechanics brought in with each of these biomes. We were talking earlier about how the sliding on ice mechanic really feels you know like a a good addition to the game as far as the creeping winter dlc goes if you start introducing stuff like the nether then maybe you can introduce striders now they're in the game and have a section where you kind of have to escape on a strider and, and have more like mounted combat being a thing and i don't know how difficult some of that would be in the isometric perspective but it'd be kind of fun to see striders and some of these other more helpful mobs be be introduced if they aren't just going to be pets because they don't really attack all that much you could also end up having stuff like chorus fruits to get you quickly out of trouble if you're surrounded by stuff in the end and i think the piglin brutes would make a great mini boss they've got tons of health in the regular edition so they definitely feel like they'd have a giant health bar if you were fighting them in minecraft dungeons to reverse the icy slidey mechanic uh soul sand slow you down quicksand you know maybe not a whole biome like that but but having soul sand and soul soil be part of another you know another uh expansion would be would be cool because then you could have the opposite of sliding around and speeding up you could have the player slow down and get stuck um, i also i also like the idea of soul sand being able to charge soul weapons because we've clearly seen oh, souls yeah. as the the weapon currency and that is one thing by the way that i don't know if they've addressed that in the dlc but it's it's something that I would really like to see change about the camp area because you can't try out soul weapons when you get them at the camp. You have to take them into a level because gathering souls involves defeating mobs. And so I would really like there to be something that you could charge soul weapons from at the camp. And if that was just like a block of soul sand that you stand on and it slowly kind of increases your soul meter, if there was, you know, something that brought in from the nether maybe, then that'd be, that'd be a fun way of doing that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I... In terms of different dimensions, it's not necessarily something that's in the game as a dimension, but um, having something in the sky, you know, we talked a lot about Skyblock here in this episode, and I feel like, you know, an island or something in the sky would be really cool. I can't say my personal favorite, given how many times I've fallen off of stuff in dungeons, because um, I found dungeons an excellent dungeon crawler, not my favorite platformer. Mm -hmm. yeah would be it would be how i would describe it so i i don't know whether a sky island thing would just be again cool from a, an aesthetic point of view when you get to the edge of the the map you'd be able to see way down into some you know um you that you see that you're very high up uh but not have it really be too much of the mechanics of the level only just part of the aesthetic yeah you could very easily just do some sort of floating island location rope bridges all that kind of stuff there's mm, like mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of stuff that is obviously player created but they've taken some creative liberties with this game already as far as decoration and you know even some of the textures when you get to places like cacti canyon so i really feel like there is a lot of creativity to be found beyond just looking at the individual things it can bring in from default minecraft you know like mm -hmm. a, a lot of there are a lot of touches in minecraft dungeons of how players or even the villagers if they're you know going to be a little bit more uh, given a bit more agency in changing their surroundings uh it, ways they've adapted the landscape and added in bridges and sliding doors and all this kind of stuff so you could very easily work some of that stuff into minecraft dungeons like it had been there the whole time but i'm excited for it in general man like i'm looking forward to seeing what else they have planned in terms of dlc how the game changes and it seems like they have a really great development approach going forward 
that i think is where we're going to wrap up this episode of the spawn chunks thank you so much for listening as always you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat get you be able to uh, listen into the show live as we record it in discord and gets us closer to our next milestone goal which is a monthly minecraft audio hangout basically we do the same thing we do when we host the show but we just hang out with our patrons and we have a good old chat about what we've been doing in minecraft lately we are currently at 212 patrons which is the same as last week thank you so much for your continued support and special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Dilken Seven, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends, server mates, and other places that you talk about Minecraft. Just tell them about The Spawn Chunks and where they can go to listen to it. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Leave us a star rating or a review on the Apple Podcast app or the Spotify app. Uh, your favorite media platform really it doesn't really matter it's a great way to share the podcast with new listeners people that have not discovered us yet the rss feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patreon only rss feed is, is of course on the patreon page the only place and you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixel Riffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where this week we just passed 2,000 ancient debris mined. I am one third of the way to getting a netherite beacon. Uh, I also do behind the scenes work for The Survival Guide from time to time, and I am also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online everything i'm up to online including my illustration portfolio links to other podcasts i do is at joelduggan.com you can find the citadel cafe at the citadelcafe.com had a really interesting conversation with megan townsend this week hope you guys go check that out and of course you can follow me at joel duggan on social media and i will point you towards twitch.tv slash joel duggan where i have some brand new emotes that i illustrated myself this week and you can watch the vods of those being illustrated on the channel as well. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and winter is creeping.